0: Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco here to Systematically Wild, and Kevin, uh, uh, Wild Organization, more than just a an, uh, a mascot name this week for the organization out there. There's a lot of news going on around that Minnesota Wild organization.
1: You know, we're, we're recording this at 8:24 p.m. on Monday night, and boy, the last I would say four hours has been pure chaos. You know, I come home from the the working job. It was interesting because on NHL Network, they were having a little fun with Dean Evason, making a claim that Kale McCarr was diving on a penalty or two in a game last Friday night. Well, then they had that segment. They went to the commercial, and then when they came back, there's already a tweet out that uh, Dean Everson and um, Bob Woods have been relieved of their duties. (laughs) So right away, instead of relaxing after a day at work, I am looking through all the stuff on X, as they call it now, instead of Twitter. And it comes out that John Hines, former coach of the New Jersey Devils and the Nashville Predators, is taking over in Minnesota. So, yeah, what a last um, four hours we've had. We don't know of a hire for an assistant coach yet. Darby Hendrickson was retained by Minnesota, but Bob Woods was in charge of the, I believe, special teams at least the penalty kill, which has been dead last in the NHL. So kind of seemed to be a given that he was also going to go along with Emerson.
0: Now, before continuing on, for those of, of you out there listening to the show who, who are not on the baseball side of the show that Kevin and I do, we always seem to get incredible news like the day after we post our show. So not, not to be kind of self-centered about this, but it was nice at least for the Minnesota organization to do something like this. so you and I could talk about it today.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could not beat the timing of it. That's for sure. And then it's, <laughs> It was kind of ironic that then, like, I'd say half an hour, 45 minutes later, the NHL Department of Player Safety comes out with the news that Matt Hartman was suspended for two games for a slew foot uh, of Alex Dabrinkit during the game on Sunday in Detroit. So, you know, it's rare that Minnesota gets talked about very much on NHL Network, but, boy, they uh, they have a lot of airtime uh, late this afternoon. And I thought it was yeah, well, ironic, too, that, and I guess this was scheduled, that on the air and on NHL Network on Monday night at 7 o'clock Central was the guy that Dean Evason replaced, Bruce
0: Boudreau. Interesting. Well, let's talk about the Hartman suspension first, Kevin. So that happened against the, the, in the contest against Detroit uh, on Sunday. Um, so he's suspended for two games without pay, so 40, according to the NHL website, $41,463.42 of his pay is, uh, forfeited, uh, and donated to the Player Emergency Ass- Assistance Fund, um, you know they're they're worried about player safety and I and I totally got it. Looking the way that this came down, it, it looked like a legitimate call by the league to suspend him in the way that they did.
1: It was and uh, Hardman's considered a previous offender. Just last April, he was suspended for a hit on Nicholas Ehlers of of um Win- Winnipeg Jets. So. I had a feeling it was gonna result in a suspension. I know people are complaining that Jacob Truba hit somebody in the helmet with his stick and he only got fined but Hartman got suspended, but it's just the fact that Hartman was a repeat offender. And not only does a do they lose the services of Matt Hartman for two games, but with the salary cap crunch the wild are in, it does If they were to call somebody up from Iowa to replace Hartman, it would eat into a lot of the very little cap space they have available. So they're either going to take the blow and call somebody up from Iowa, or else for the next two games they're going to probably have to go with 11 forwards and seven defensemen. So not only do do you lose Hartman, but you're also possibly playing with the Either a shorthanded lineup or a lineup where you're bringing in a minor leaguer.
0: You know, I have to tell you, Kevin, one of the most interesting parts of the story, because I thought, why why am I being told this? But okay. So the this is the league's release is that he was suspended without pay during NHL game number 316. <laughs> Why did that? Why I needed to know that was the 316th game this season? I'm not exactly sure, but I I just thought that was interesting they decided to let us know that.
1: I know that's something they do quite a bit when the NHL has um, releases like that, that they, they actually number all of their games. So, not sure who exactly that benefits or if it just makes it easy to look up what game it was, but I just know that's something the NHL does, and I guess I... I know it, but I just never really paid,
0: paid it much attention. Well, let's stay on the coaching thing here, Kevin. I, I think you weren't surprised. Dean Evans said you've had some questions about what's going on with the team. Early on last season, they struggled, really caught fire later on in the season. It just did not look like things were going to turn around. But, you know, I have to say, a point you've made for quite a while here is that it didn't look like he had much help and the sense of the the cap space on this club is terrible and so it just seems like he's kind of being the fall guy for some decisions that were made by management that that have put this team in a tough spot
1: but the thing is it's it was a team that mostly was intact from last year when they had a hundred point plus season and made the playoffs so what are you gonna tell me that losing Matt Dumba was just as catastrophic loss? I mean, something is happened here. I mean, was Ryan leave Ryan Reeves that big of a loss? You know, it's the same cast of characters. Is everybody getting old at the same time? We've seen that happen in Joe where. Some players don't age gracefully. They they lose it um, just in one big shot. You can't tell me that's yeah. happening to, like, a lot of the guys on the team. So so I
0: – Very good point.
1: You know, I'm like Dean Evison, You know, Evason himself, and I just had a feeling that he was going to get his walking papers when he just flat out said that. He's like, something's got to change. Well, I think he may have seen the writing on the wall when he said that because they don't have the flexibility to change much for players right now. The only thing they can change are the coaches.
0: True. Very true. Being in the the throes of a seven-game losing streak never helps you as well. Um, That's where the club is at 0-5 and 2 in their last seven as they fall on Friday against Colorado, then lose at Detroit on Sunday 4-1. I guess, I guess, you know, if you kind of look at it, the big deal is the offense has just disappeared for this team right there. And you and you talked about Kaprizov. All of a sudden, is is not playing like what we've seen over the last three, four seasons. And I wonder if kind of the coaching staff's taking the fall for that too. Is that, hey, our our superstar's are regressing, and what are you doing out here?
1: I know all the talk is 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 Kaprizov healthy because he's it's, it's just not himself and. You don't know if he's trying to take on too much, if he is truly not healthy, or what is going on because it's just unexplainable what's going on. And, you know, he's not getting any help either. Matt Bode, who they signed to a seven year, $49 million contract, he's with all the gold this year. He, too, has not been producing much. So you can go down the line Marcus Fellino's not doing much. Freddie Gaudreau. When he's been healthy, he's been invisible. Marcus Johansson, another guy they signed to a long-term deal, he's not produced. So it could be a thing where it's just, is Kaprizov just trying to do too much? Is he just feeling the pressure? I don't know what it's going to take. When you look at it, you know, Dean Everson said this, several times lately their best forward this season has been marco rossi and look where rossi was this time last year he was a guy that had no confidence and was sent back to iowa so that i think it's a telling sign when one of your best players has been the guy that a year
0: ago wasn't even on your team yeah very good point um so it started out Friday night, Kevin, with a 3-2 loss against Colorado. The club falls behind 2-0. Kaprizov and Erickson X score uh, in the second period to tie the game, but in the third, Colorado able to get a goal about five minutes into the period, and then Minnesota shut down from that point. They do get a, a, a solid enough performance uh, out of Gustafson. 22 of 25 shots he saves in the contest, but uh, offense not... I mean, that's that's a pretty good performance against a Colorado, team that can put up a lot of goals. You got to feel okay, our goalie came through. But but you know, if you're you're only going to get two goals, you're not beating Colorado on many nights.
1: No, you're not. It's a very solid lineup. But I thought the game-winning goal was just kind of emblematic of the entire season for Minnesota, where they are kind of struggling to get the puck out of their zone, and then they make an egregious turnover. And Curtis McDermott, a guy known for what he can do with his hands, as in fighting, not so much as scoring, gets the puck, geeks um, Philip Gustafson puts the puck away, and that was your game-winning goal right there.
0: On Sunday, Detroit scores early in the contest to take a one nothing lead. Then Erickson Eck with his 10th goal of the season with just 12 seconds left in the end of the first period, and you're thinking, man, that was that, that's one of those nice kind of goals that you build off of that really gets you going. But Detroit responds with three unanswered goals over the final 40 minutes. Uh, they take the lead 16-53 into the second on Larkin's eighth goal of the season. Perone scores his second of the ninth and seventh of the season early in the third, and they add one late empty net goal to come away with a 4-1 victory. Minnesota, again, gets, uh, I, I guess, some pretty credible goaltending. You would look at this here as, uh, Gustafson stops 19 of 22 shots. Not a great performance, but it's a, a tough Detroit team and you're playing in Detroit. And uh, a, another tough loss for the club.
1: And another game in which they, they did all shoot Detroit, but they're just not cashing in on their opportunities or or they're just not finding the, finding the right part of the net to shoot for because it's just... It's got to be frustrating for these guys, guys have had success in this league scoring that right now, I mean, nothing's going in.
0: The question I would look at this, Kevin, and say, new coaching staff coming in, a lot of times, that can be the spark that gets a team going here, I'm just wondering right now, this team is just really struggling, and it seems like in all facets of their game, and I just... What, what does a new coaching staff bring to this club that really gets them going?
1: I think a, a new voice, for one thing. I think we've seen it so many times with coaches that, you know, after a while, if you're around too long, the message gets lost. I mean, how many times can you tell the guys the same thing where it just doesn't have an impact anymore? And, I mean, this year, Evison was a lot more critical of players. To the media, kind of in a passive way, but a lot more critical than it was in the past. And maybe John Hines, who's coming to replace him, maybe it's a thing where Hines will be more of a player's coach, more of a guy that can get the message across to these guys that they're talented players and they can do a lot better than what they are. Is it something where Hines could come in? Maybe he's got a different offensive scheme. Maybe he's got different plans as far as the as far as the penalty kill goes. Maybe that's uh, what, what they're looking at. But I know, in listening to the hockey experts today, they're talking a lot about how a lot of other seasons Minnesota may have kept Evison and just kind of gone through the motions and just figure, okay, it's a lost season. But right now they're saying with the way the standings are shaping up that maybe only like 90 points could get you in the playoffs yet. So if that were a scenario, Minnesota, if they can get their act together, could get right back in the playoff chase. So I'm guessing maybe that John Hines is brought into – trying to instill a different attitude and get this team back on track. And as per most cases with new coaches, there is a connection as John Hines was a minor league coach in the Pittsburgh Penguins system when Bill Guerin was also part of the Penguins. So those two do, do go back and have a rapport. So it'll be interesting. I don't think we can expect many changes right away, but changes could come in a, subtle form as the season goes along
0: well let's work on it elaborate on a point you just made there kevin so 5 10 and 4 is minnesota right at this point seventh place 14 points right now if you want to look at top three in this division okay so they're 12 points behind dallas but a point you made here a ton of their games early on here have been against that metropolitan division so you probably figure that 85 90% of their remaining games are going to be within the division at, at, or within at least the Western Conference. They're going to have a lot of opportunity to play head-to-head against teams that are ahead of them. And so you got to think, hey, if we can just win in our division, we're going to be okay here because we're going to get a lot of chances to go out there and, and, and bolster our playoff position.
1: And those are swing games. You know, uh, within the Central Division, you got to think Colorado and Dallas are going to be at the top. Winnipeg's off to a very good start, so it could be Dallas, Winnipeg, Colorado being the top three in the division. But that's where then you set you set your sights more so on the wild card more so than your own division. But those divisional games are huge; they're four point swing games. I shouldn't say the division as much as um, the conference games. You know those. Games out in Vancouver, Calgary, Anaheim, they're going to be just as important as the ones within the Central Division, too.
0: Absolutely, and I I think the teams that are ahead of them right now, I mean, I, I think Seattle's playing above their head. I know they had a great season last year. I was not sold on them, to be honest with you. Vancouver's playing exceptional hockey right now, but, you know, we've seen in recent history where, their goaltending can be pretty shaky at times. Their defense, you never know what you're getting. Los Angeles, I think, is playing a little bit above their heads at this point. And so I think there's an opportunity for some of these teams to fall back a little bit and, and for Minnesota to really get themselves back into play. And, you know, Kevin, it all begins this week. You know, St. Louis, uh, Tuesday night, you'll be out at that game. So I know that that's an exciting opportunity to see what the new coaching staff has to bring. Then Nashville on Thursday in Nashville, and they'll close out the week with a home game against Chicago Sunday afternoon. So an opportunity to make a splash right off the bat.
1: No doubt. And And, uh, you know, the the big irony there is that John Hines coached Nashville last year and now his second game as Minnesota's head coach will be in Nashville.
0: Well, he should know with the opponent well. No <laughs> Scouting doubt. Scouting should be a huge advantage <laughs> for sure. Well, as if things weren't going bad enough for the Minnesota Wild, the Iowa Wild have a very tough week for themselves, too, Kevin, as they wind up going 0-3, score one goal in each of these three contests. Uh, Tough games on the road in Milwaukee and then traveling to Hershey for the first time in maybe in franchise history (laughs) since they moved to Iowa here. I'm not sure. It's been at least – I've been covering this team since 2019, and and they haven't gone out there. So this is kind of a new thing. But – Tough week offensively. They just got shut down by opponents each, in each of these three games.
1: They did, and, you know, the part I am having trouble coming to grips with is that they got Letary and Patan back from Minnesota. De- Jake Lucchini came back from from either an injury or an illness. He played in all three games during the week, so there's really – no excuses of well, we weren't healthy. You know that was their that was their roster. I mean, they even got Dakota Mirmus back from Minnesota. So this Iowa roster now is just as healthy as it's been all season. But it's just they're just not scoring goals right now, and it's got to be frustrating.
0: Allstead was fantastic in the opening contest against Milwaukee. A three one loss for the team. The Admirals score the first three goals of the game after a scoreless first period. They score three within about eight minutes of each other. Minnesota does, or excuse me, Minnesota. Iowa does get a late goal with 30 seconds left in the second period, but it's just not enough in that contest as they wind up dropping the 3-1 game. Um, Volstead looked pretty sharp, though, in his return after you know kind of backing up there in uh, when Minnesota traveled through Sweden. I, I thought it was a nice performance from a guy who could have a bit of a jet lag, and that, that didn't seem to be the case in that game.
1: You know, I was watching the game, and I heard an interesting story from Ben Giselson during the game that when Valstead got back from Sweden, he had the option, you know, I think uh, Batan and maybe Letary both decided to fly out to Milwaukee from Minneapolis. Valstead, he drove back down to Iowa and practiced with the wild down there because he, he wanted to get back in the game shape and be ready to go on Wednesday. So I think that speaks volumes about the kind of competitor that Jesper Volstead
0: is. You know, that's the kind of goalie too, that a, a team will, you know, be willing to dive in front of that extra shot, you know, uh, or, Push a, you know, take a couple of elbows to the face when you're trying to block in front of the goalie to get a guy pushed out of the way so your goaltender can see better. You know, they'll battle for a guy they know that is giving everything to them. And uh, so, um, you know, I I, I got a great chance to talk to him last season uh, after a game for a little bit, and then just a real class act, real team guy, too. So that that just does not surprise me at all that he would do that. So. Um, he comes back though, Kevin. On Friday, as the team traveled out to Hershey, excuse me. On Saturday, as the team traveled out to Hershey, a two-to-one loss. They they lose both these games, two-to-one over the weekend. Um, Gavin Hayne winds up getting the goal again, another late goal in the second period that puts the team tied. So they're looking like they can they can build off something here, but with a little over three minutes left in the game, Hershey gets the game winner. Volstead stops 25 and 27 shots, look very good in this contest, but. Those Hershey Bears are good, Kevin. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really surprised by losing both those games because that team's pretty good.
1: Defending Collar Cup champions, and they're right back at the top of their division this year. So it was not going to be an easy task for the Wild heading out there. But you know, defensively they held down the Bears. And just, just couldn't get much going offensively. But I'd have to think if they bring that game. Back to the Central Division, I think they're going to win, a, win
0: quite a few hockey games. On Sunday, it's two power play goals in the first period for Hershey that give them the lead. Um, as Kevin mentioned, Jake Lucini came back and does score on the power play at 1031 to the second, his seventh goal of the season, Patan and Dakota Mermis with the assist on that. Mermis' first assist of the year shows how little he's been in Iowa <laughs> so far at this point. Um this is uh, Zane McIntyre's only start of the week. He stops 18 to 20 shots, looked very good in the game again. But if your offense isn't producing for you, it's a tough night. And um, two power play goals they gave up. Uh, that, that I, I think, is a concern. And um, you were talking about out shooting for the Minnesota out shooting on, on Detroit on, on Sunday. Iowa 19-5. In the second period, in shots, and just came away with one goal. It's like you had an opportunity to really try to light something up, and you, you t- got to tip your hat to the Bears goaltender who kept his team in on top in that contest.
1: Oh, definitely, and you know, like I said, you know, it's a good sign. I was through the kitchen sink at them, and to shoot a team 19 to five on the road—that's doing pretty good. They just couldn't couldn't get one into the net.
0: Yeah, a lot of heart out there for sure for this Iowa Wild club. Well, Kevin, uh, the Iowa Wild now dropped to fourth in the division, also with 14 points, oddly enough, six, nine, and two. They are uh, five points behind Milwaukee, tied technically right at this point with Manitoba for fourth place right now. Um, the team is off for the rest of November, but will begin December on December first on Friday when they travel out to Colorado and. The Eagles have not been a fun place for this club to visit. they got two games out there. So um, they looked good there last year, I remember, late in the season. Came away, I believe, with one of the two games, if I remember correctly, they won there. But this usually has been a house of horrors for them. So um, things may not get better for this club right now.
1: It will definitely be a test. But I, like I said with the games, if they play like they did in Hershey, I think they will have a chance to at least take one of the two games. It's a different style of play out there. The teams in the West are generally a bigger, more physical type of teams, but it'll be a be a good test for his Iowa team, and hopefully they can take one, two, and then start start to get to work against some Central Division teams.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that, Kevin. If you're looking for the big silver lining coming up here. After traveling out to Colorado, it looks like 11 straight games, well, if I can count correctly, three 6, 6, 10, 11, yeah, I believe, um, in your own division. So you're going to play Rockford, two against Milwaukee, Chicago, two in Rockford, then Milwaukee, and then traveling, then Manitoba comes to town. So you're going to get a chance to get, you know, back in this division racing and, and bolster your playoff position because clearly, uh, you know, these are the teams you got to beat out there. And so, um, it, it, I December is going to be, I think, kind of a little bit of a make or break month for this team.
1: Yeah, it could be. I, you know, you'd like to go into the first of the year on a pretty good roll. So I think it'll be what they do the month of December will be pretty telling.
0: And last year it was just after the Christmas break that the club lost a game. I believe that it was against texas you and i were at that contest and then all of a sudden just was unreal after that um the rest of december and out through january they were the best team in the ahl for a while there so is that team that you know right now the time of the year where this club usually winds up playing some of his best hockey so look to see if that winds up carrying forward this month as well well how about the silver lining kevin How about those Iowa Heartlanders out there?
1: No doubt. They kept rolling the, um, I think, was that like an all-time undefeated streak the team had until they uh, lost? Yeah. Uh, So.
0: Seven straight wins and then went 7-0-1 before finally losing in regulation. So, Wow. And, Amanda, that, talk about a, a fantastic road trip for this club, too. So, uh, Kevin and I talked last week about a very brutal schedule uh, for the team, by the way, that this went. Because they, they had a game on on Tuesday um, where they traveled to Kalamazoo. Or excuse me, on Wednesday, I'm sorry. And then played Thanksgiving Day in Fort Wayne. Um, before then heading to Wheeling on Saturday, where they had games on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so they win in Kalamazoo on Wednesday, three to one. Then drop in overtime in a shootout against Fort Wayne on Thursday, but come bounce back against Wheeling, a team that they have boy they've really played well against over the last couple of years. Win six to two in Wheeling before finally dropping their first game in regulation, an eight zero and one streak for the club. Um, losing on Sunday 4-1. to one. So, wow. I mean, man, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I am very impressed with what this coaching staff is doing because I did not see the way this team is playing right now coming. That, what a job they're doing.
1: Yeah, you know, the team, as it was constructed last year, there's no way they would have ever done a 2-1-1 one, one road trip where you're playing, well, let's do the four games in five days. I mean, that is really impressive. And, you, you know, you got to imagine on Sunday, I think the road trip probably caught up to them. It may may have been a little bit of a tired effort. So I think, you got to hand them a little bit of a pass there. But, um, I think it's just, a another positive sign for this team. So
0: on Wednesday night, fall behind one, nothing, then we'll, uh, Cavalier winds up tying the score 533 in the second. He winds up scoring his second goal of the night. I believe that's his second goal of the season too. I'm going to look that up real quick here to make sure that I'm I'm saying that no, excuse me, third, fourth goal of the season at that point. So my apologies about that. Um, to give this club the lead, uh, Casey Dornbach winds up scoring in 1926 in the third to clinch the victory there with an empty netter. They wind up winning 3-1. Uh, an, another spectacular performance out of Peyton Jones. But right now you got to look at it. It's got to be viewed as one of the top goaltenders in this league so far. Stopped 28 shots in that contest. And the Penn State grad, boy, making that, making a name for himself after a pretty solid career with the Nittany Lions.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's a good story because, you know, sometimes you just don't know these goalies after they complete their collegiate careers, such as how exactly it's going to turn out professionally. But um, Peyton Jones has made the most of his opportunity and you got to look at you want to look at an example of somebody that took advantage of an opportunity um, that was also a Big Ten goalie, Matt Tompkins. He was bouncing around between AHL and ECHL, and finally he had a chance this year with Tampa Bay when Andre Vasileski was out with an injury. So, you know, just keep playing well, do your job, and you just never know when an opportunity is going to pop up
0: Thanksgiving Day, the team jumps out to a 2-0 lead. Did we decide that this was Davis Cook? Is that that right? Coach. Coach. Okay, thank you. Thank you for correcting that for me. He scores his eighth goal of the season to give the team the lead. Jake Derflinger uh, winds up adding to the lead a couple minutes later uh, to make it 2-0. Wild first period, by the way, as uh, Fort Wayne able to battle back to tie that contest. Both teams score in the third. Uh, Coach winds up scoring his second goal of the night, but Iowa drops in the shootout, ending their seven-game winning streak. But, um, man, still coming away with a point there in Fort Wayne on Thanksgiving, which had a pretty good crowd there, too, for a Thanksgiving game. Almost 8,000 for that game and not a very easy place to play either in Fort Wayne. Uh, I mean, uh, I've been out there a few times to see, and the crowd is, like, right on top of you, too. Um, Huge stadium. Uh, so, fantastic performance out of the club to keep him coming away with the, the, the shootout loss. I, I thought another solid performance. Jones stops 29 to 32 shots. So, um, you know, keeping that winning streak, or at least the unbeaten streak alive at that point, Kevin, and, and getting a good big point in Fort Wayne.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you talk about Fort Wayne and just the tremendous hockey history in that city in, uh, at the minor league level. So, the fans have always supported hockey very good there. So you know, when you go there, it's going to be a hostile barn to try to get two points out of. So, I you know, good
0: job, it, good job for them just to get one at least. Absolutely. I, I love to see when a team loses in a shootout like that, which could be a, a little bit of a deflating kind of thing, especially after a big win streak, and then come back and just blow a, a, an opponent away. And, and that's what they did on Saturday is they scored four first-period goals to really dominate wheeling. The Nailers do come back with two goals early in the second period, but um, Brett Budgel, I, I guess is the way that that is said, uh, scores two goals in the contest to, to basically seal this victory late. It's his first and second goals of the season. Um, Hunter Jones gets the start of this one, stops 29 of 31 shots to give them the victory. And, you know, I, I, again, Kevin, I, I think great rebound victory for the club after seeing their winning streak come to an end and, and, and wheeling. Man, just no intimidation against the Nailers at all. It's just a team they just seem to handle right now.
1: Yeah, they've become a pretty fierce rival. So, you know, it just seems like the Heartlanders tend to get up for those games when they face the Wheelers, and the, and they've had a great deal of success with them. You know, that's uh, uh, Louis Boudin also scored in that game, and, He was just, he just came back from playing for Iowa Wild along with um, Casey Dornbach and Brett Budgel that you mentioned. And for anyone out there listening, if you're a Brett Budgel fan, I may have a deal for you for an autographed Brett Budgel Iowa Wild hockey pucks. So get in contact with me.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. On Sunday, uh, Scoreless first period, Wheeling comes up with two goals early in the second to, well, oh, actually, midway through the second, I'm sorry, to, uh, to take the lead. Iowa does get a late goal in the second period, but two unanswered goals in the third wind up clinching this for Wheeling. Uh, Peyton Jones has probably, I mean, he stopped 30 shots, which is still pretty good, 30 out of 33 shots. Probably the the quote-unquote worst performance we've seen for him in a while, and that's, that that's Three goals and 33 shots is not terrible. It's just it's a tough night for him, unfortunately, because the team is not able to generate much offense for themselves. But as you mentioned, two one and one streak out there on the road for those four games. And this club right now, Kevin, I mean, just fourth place overall in the Western Conference right now at eight, five, and three. And the Central Division, they are holding on to second place right now, just trailing Toledo by one point. Can you imagine last year talking about – You know, 16 games of the season and trailing Toledo (laughs) by a point? I mean, wow, what a a fantastic performance by this club.
1: You know, last year this time, we were just trying to figure out where a win was going to come from.
0: Yeah. But, you know, it looks like
1: Coach Damon just finally has the guys that he needs right now. And like I said, getting the guys back from Iowa, I think that helped out too. But... It just seems like this is a core players right now that are playing with a great deal of confidence, and they've been put on quite a shoulder in the last three, four weeks.
0: You know, I think one of the biggest differences you look at this team right now, 6-1-1 and at home, which is very incredible. And and they always have been fairly solid at home. I'm not saying the record has been outstanding, but it's been, you know, they've been a very credible team at home. It's been on the road where they have just been terrible. I think it was it was the 21st game last year where they finally won their first road game. I mean, 21 games. That, that's pretty crazy. 2-4-2 and two so far this season. And that might have seemed like a lot. But for a team that was struggling on the road last year, just couldn't win games. They're finding a way to at least come away with points. And I think that's the thing that gets this club to a point where they can think, we, we have a a very serious chance of being an upper echelon team in this division, making coming playoff time.
1: Yeah, you know, it just as far as the wild organization goes, this is the one team right now you feel pretty confident about that could be on their way to making some noise in the playoffs. And well what a boost it'd be for that franchise too, if. I know we're thinking way far ahead, but if they were to become a playoff team, I just think maybe that would just be the thing that would get them
0: into the public eye in the Coralville, Iowa City area. Yeah, I hope so, too. And, and, you know, I I, I mean, I honestly don't think at this point we're overhyping the incredible performance by Peyton Jones this season. I mean, this this guy is, is legitimately proving to be as good a goaltender as, as anybody is in the ECHL right now. And that that's pretty, pretty high, high talk. I'm not, I'm not saying that, like, you know, he's the best guy in the SPHL, which I'm not meaning to, to be harshly on them either. But um, th- this guy is, is 2.30 goals against average, which I believe right now is fifth best overall in terms of guys that have played at least three or four games so far. Um Man, I mean, his numbers are very, very good and just seems to be getting better with each contest that's going out there. This guy is a real deal, I think.
1: And I think it helps, too, that we're seeing a team this year. I think I mentioned this on last week's show. A great way to play defense is to have the puck in the other team's end. And it seems like on most nights, uh, Iowa is either staying even with or out shooting other teams, too, where. It's not like last year where the goalies just at times felt like they were left for dead having to face 45 shots a night. So, you know, I think it's a combo of the team playing good in front of them and Jones playing with some confidence. Then so you got Hunter Jones in the mix that he picked up a win, and we know his pedigree, a 2nd round draft pick. In this league, you got to have two good goalies cooking for you because there are so many back-to-backs in two games in three days, four and five, what have you. So um, if uh, the Hardlanders have the Joneses going good this year, i, I
0: got a feeling that's going to bode well the rest of the season. You, you know, my only concern for this club right now, um, out of the 16 games, Peyton Jones started 11 of those right now. And you go, well, that's, that's not really that much. But for a guy who's just playing college hockey, but you're probably playing 34, 35 games in a season at college level, um, 11 games in 16, of the 16 games so far is a lot. And I, you know, I, I, I got to believe that the club starts to turn to Hunter Jones more and more to make sure that Peyton Jones is fresh and that they can get him through a 72 game schedule this season. So so I, I think a lot of where Iowa goes this year is going to be dependent upon how good Hunter Jones can play for them. And if, um, if he could turn that corner and get work, that level back again that we know he can get to, then you're right. This goaltending is going to be a reason why this team's a playoff club.
1: And I think it's gonna to help too if the guys in front of him keep playing like they've been. So and we've seen in this league too, where, you know, rosters don't tend to stay the same. If if we see Iowa's making a push for a playoff spot, we could see them going out and even get getting even better guys on the blue line where teams are not getting a ton of shots against the Heartlanders. Well,
0: we're going to see how good this club is, Kevin, because I'm, I'm hyped up about uh, how well they're looking in this division right now. And I'm going to travel on to Cincinnati on Friday and then two games on back-to-back nights in Toledo, the team that is one point ahead of them in the division right now. So we're going to find out a little bit about what this club has to offer right there. And if, I think if they come away with a split in Toledo, even just two points, if they should lose both those games in overtime or shootout, I, I think they're going to teach that Toledo team, hey, we're not messing around. We, we, we can beat you. And and don't think you're, you're way better than us anymore.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. Um, you know, this weekend is just going to be yet another barometer of, what kind of team we're going to have here. I think we'll know a lot more about it by the time we come on next week, just how good this team can be. Because you're right, that is going to be a huge weekend with um, one game in Cincinnati and then back-to-backs in Toledo. But I just got a feeling with the way this club's been playing that. I think think they'll give them a – I think we'll see some pretty good hockey next weekend. I think you're absolutely
0: right, Kevin. No doubt about it. Well, exciting weeks coming up ahead. We're going to see what how, how well the Iowa Wild can rebound after a tough weekend, a week on the road. What the new coaching staff brings to the Minnesota Wild, and see if these Iowa Heartlanders can keep things going and keep this momentum rolling right now. So, um, you know, I, you may two of the teams may not be playing particularly well right now, but you can't say that it's boring in the Minnesota Wild organization right now.
1: No, that's, um, you know, you hear it among the media, I believe Michael Russo of The Athletic, I remember him saying one time too that um, sometimes some of the worst seasons are some of the most um, exciting ones as far as some covering the team or just following the team because there's usually so many other things also going on, not just the games alone, so. You know, I got a feeling you and I are going to have a lot to talk about as the year goes along.
0: Absolutely. Kevin, before jumping into uh, an exciting moment in Minnesota Wild Organization history out there, um, I wanted to just give a personal note this week because I, I got to begin a process of, of a lifelong dream of mine, Kevin, I, I got to tell you. So, yesterday was my first lesson in learning how to drive a Zamboni. To, to shave the ice and uh, um, and get and prepare for games. so I, I thought that was pretty cool. That's a little it's a little intimidating to drive that machine and make sure you're not you know hitting the boards too close or whatever yesterday but uh, I thought that was pretty cool. so I just wanted to throw that out for my own little selfish love moment here for for us for, for today.
1: And as long as you don't earn the nickname crash I think you'll be all right <laughs>
0: exactly right exactly right. Well, Kevin, take us to a good time here in uh, Minnesota Wild history. How about, was there a coaching change that wound up turning the fortunes for the team during the season maybe or something like that? Yes, the answer was. You know, I was thinking about this
1: today that, uh, forget the year, I want to say maybe 15, 16 or 16, 17, there was a coaching change when um, John Tortorella. But, um Mike Yo was let go of his duties after the while were just it was swoon, much like we saw just recently, and it culminated with a just a lifeless effort on a Saturday afternoon against the Boston Bruins. Minnesota just was not in the game at all, and the news came out shortly after the game that that Mike Yo had been relieved of his duties, and John Torchetti came in. And you know that you, just in time for a swing out to the west coast and Minnesota won either two or three games out there. Came back, had the stadium series game against Chicago, which they won, and they went on enough of a roll to make the playoffs that year. As for Minnesota tradition, they lost in the first round, but it was a, it was a nice turnaround. It was a, a fun end to the season. So hopefully we're going to see the same with better results in the playoffs.
0: That's what I'm talking about. Well, Kevin, thanks for joining me again this week.
1: My pleasure.